Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 121 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your hosts Ugo Che and Ralph Velasco. Our guest for this week is Karthika Gupta. Uh, she is a wedding, lifestyle and family photographer based in Chicago, but she's also a keen traveler. And uh, we are intrigued by a series of articles she wrote for uh, Digital Photography School especially one about uh, how to be a culturally sensitive photographer with a series of tips that we think uh, everyone should uh, pay attention to um, when, when traveling to, to countries whose culture, whose traditions differ from ours. So uh, we wanted to interview Karthika and talk with her about uh, uh, this, uh, this article and the tips that she, she would like to, to share with, with our audience. Uh, you can find all the links and the show notes for this episode at ttim.photo slash 121. Now let's enjoy our conversation with Karthika. Karthika, welcome to the Traveling Image Makers podcast. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. And I think Ralph is doing good too. How about that, Ralph? I'm very well, very well here in a beautifully snowy Chicago. So you two are living quite close to each other, right? Because right. you live in Chicago right. as well. Yeah, I am. I'm actually a, a suburb of Chicago. But yeah, we woke up to um, snow. It was, what, 50 degrees last week. And now it's like in the teens. So that's Chicago for you, I guess. <laughs> but until a few days ago, I hear you were traveling. Is that right? I was. Uh, last week, I was in almost 40 degree weather. I was in uh, Jaipur, India. I was traveling in India for about 10 days. So quite a weather shock. Karthika, maybe you want to introduce yourself to our audience. I know you've been living in India for many years and then moved to the US. So uh, please tell us who is Kartika Gupta? What's the story of your life and of your photography? Sure. Um, so like, uh, like you guys said, I am Kartika. I'm Kartika Gupta. I am a photographer. Um, I wasn't always a photographer. So um, I'm originally from India. And I guess like um, most Indians, my Background is technical, so I have a double master's, and I was working in corporate for a very long time. Um, and I actually loved what I did. I was in marketing, and uh, it was it was sort of my creative, um, what do you call it, creative uh, gene. Um, somewhere along the line, I guess in 2010, uh, right after I had my son, um, I started getting kind of interested in photography. I um, I picked up my actually husband's camera. Uh, it was the film camera, um, the Canon uh, Rebel film. And we had just gotten um, a digital camera too. So I was kind of playing around. I was on maternity leave. I had nothing else to do. So just between you know taking care of my kids and uh, playing around with the camera, I sort of slowly started getting interested. Um, but I still had my day job. So it wasn't something that I had even thought about kind of you know pursuing as a career. 
Um, I started uh, photographing my kids and then my kids, you know, friends and one thing sort of led to the other and I was photographing family um, families on the weekend. Um, I, I guess people liked what I did and I started getting requests and uh, I slowly started charging. Initially, it was all pro bono because this was just something I enjoyed. Um, but as I started kind of getting more and more into it, um, this sort of became my weekend hustle. So I would uh, work during the week, um, you know, after the kids got to bed at night, I would play around with editing and sort of um, setting up, you know, some galleries. I had an old, old blog post sort of site um, that I just wrote and I, you know, published photos. Um, I got, uh, I got into weddings kind of very um, by the by. One of my um, kids' daycare teachers was getting married and she was like, hey, I really like your work. I don't have a big budget. Can you photograph my wedding? And at that time, I was like, whoa, okay, doing families is one thing, but doing weddings, that's a completely different ball game." So, you know, I was very upfront with her. I said, I don't have experience with weddings. And she was like, no, no, I really like your style. I want it to be um, more candid. I, I know I love the emotions that you capture. Let's do it. So that sort of got me hooked onto weddings. Um, so now I photograph weddings. I do family portraits, lifestyle. Um, I do branding as well. So long story short, uh, I think it was 2014, um, there were some life changes and I needed to quit. Um, so I kind of left my full-time job and I decided that photography was my full-time career now. Um, I was doing it anyway, so it wasn't too much of a transition, but um, kind of being in business for, you know, this aspect versus doing it on the side is completely different. Um, but I enjoy it. And um, somewhere along the line, I started writing. I've always loved writing about things. So I started writing articles. Um, I started doing a lot of travel photography. And so now I consider myself kind of weddings, lifestyle and sort of travel photography as well. So that's kind of where I am at this point. So Karthika, tell me, what was it like to receive your first check for your photography services? What was that moment like when you realized that people were willing to pay you for photography? Oh, I think it was very, very exciting. <laughs> I mean, the fact that um, this is not what I was trained for. I'm, I'm a self-taught photographer, so I have you know, spent tons of time pouring over YouTube videos, articles, and all of that stuff that I think a lot of us do. So just getting that, um, that paycheck um, just sort of brings everything full circle because you realize that, you know, all this time and effort that you've put into perfecting your, your car craft, your um, skills, and just your even attitude, right, towards it um, is very fulfilling. So yeah, definitely exciting. It wasn't a whole lot, but, you know, whatever it was, I think that's irrelevant. The fact that people acknowledge um your work and you know they like your work enough to pay you for it i think that's that's a pretty fantastic feeling yeah especially with uh, so many people wanting free photography services these days uh to actually have someone you know think enough of your services that they're going to trade hard currency for them i think is a huge, huge step how about, how about you ugo do you remember your first paid gig uh yeah uh, it was uh, a few years ago I sold a, a photo to uh, a magazine, uh, Architectural Digest it was, so quite an important magazine, the, wow. which 
the thing is that the moment I sold it, is that like I'm, I'm, I'm making it. I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a professional photographer now. And then <laughs> yeah, nothing but... happened for a few years after that. <laughs> then I realized that I cannot just sit there and wait for people to ask me for photos. <laughs> I need to, to go out and find clients. For sure. That's the realization that, yeah, now people want my photos. And then it was, it's just stopped there. But it was a great feeling, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, nothing like it. So, Kartika, uh, you're someone who has uh, experience of uh, having lived in two places as culturally different as Chicago and Bombay, and having uh, done, traveled quite a lot and done travel photography. So you probably have developed quite a refined vision of what it means to be a culturally sensitive travel photographer, to be mindful yep. of those differences. And on this particular topic, you have written an article for Digital Photography School. That's right. I would like to use that article as a basis for, for a little discussion, for discussing this, this topic with you. Uh, sure. We'll put a link to the article in the show notes, of course. But I think you've written quite extensively for Digital Photography School. So uh, I think people can also go there and uh, uh, search for your name and you will find all of your articles. Anyway, uh, that article presents uh, six tips on how to be a culturally sensitive photographer. So I would like to use those uh, six uh, tips, uh, six talking points to start kind of a conversation. Uh, Sure. But first I would like you to... Um, talk a little bit about the importance of cultural sensitivity in general, because the article is very practical, very hands-on, which is useful. But uh, before going into the first practical tip, I would like you to to explain why do you think it's important to be culturally sensitive? Sure. And I think this, you know, being culturally sensitive is something that goes even beyond um, photography or any sort of genre for that matter, right? I mean, we are human beings, and as human beings, we have to understand where the other person is coming from. I mean, we, the, the world is so diverse, and with um, migration and you know people kind of moving around everywhere, chances are you are going to bump into somebody who is different, um, not just from physical appearance, skin, but even culturally different. So I think being culturally aware just in a, from a day-to-day basis is so very important um, to feel, make people feel inclusive. I mean, gone are the days where, you know, talking about India, right, we have caste systems, we had caste systems, and we had um, a lot of segregation. But now things have, things have changed. People, people don't think like that. So why is it that as a human, we think about, you know, being from a culturally superior race or, um, you know, being, being, in a way, different, right? Let's let's kind of use that to uh, understand people more. And then, in terms of photography, too. I mean, photography is such a visual media. I mean, just just look at the explosion of um, social media, and you know, everything where people are looking at pictures to get stories beyond even like reading about the, reading the text, right? So, being culturally aware, being socially responsible, is all critical with any genre, but particularly so with photography. So uh, these, these six different points that you make in your article for Digital Photography School, uh, the first one is that knowledge is key. Can you go into some detail about that, what you mean by that? Sure. 
So I think we here, right, I mean, the more information that we uh, equip ourselves with in terms of where we are traveling, what the customs are, what, you know, what the religion is, how is the region different from where you're coming? I think the better equipped we will be to be culturally aware and be kind of um, sensitive to the area that we are going. And, you know, from the example just of India, right, India is such a diverse country. Um, just because you go to Bombay doesn't mean that's exactly how um, Calcutta is going to be. It's very, very different. And so based on where you're going, just equip yourself with the knowledge of, you know, where you're going, what the culture is, what the norms are. Uh, are there any specific photography restrictions? I know, um, in, for example, in India, a lot of the temples and religious places don't allow photography for a reason. It's, it is people are praying, people are being vulnerable, and it doesn't, it's not right for you to kind of shove a camera in front of the face and take a photo just because, you know, it's so vibrant and, and exciting from what you're used to, right? So just be aware and kind of equip yourself with those um, nuances so that when you get to the place that you're going from a photography perspective, you don't get disappointed. Um, you know what to expect. And if it's different, then that's just, you know, that's just great. You can actually go ahead and shoot. So again, just be aware of where you're going and equip yourself with all the information beforehand. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so for the, the tours that I lead, I provide my participants with a lot of detailed information about the culture, about the place in advance, uh, whether it's the norm to tip or, you know, it just try to get people as culturally aware in advance of actually being there as possible. And I think this is really appreciated because then, uh, you know, and I also have our local guides talk in detail about that as well. Uh, so I, I think it's really important to prep people for, you know, how to prepare and what to expect when they get there. Uh, how about you, Hugo? Do you do that for your trips? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, uh, we are, uh, uh, I, my trips, uh, especially in Italy, there isn't, uh, I mean, still a Western country. There are some, if people come from, from the US or rest of Europe, especially if it's the rest of Europe, the, the cultural differences are not huge. So it's sure. quite easy to, but what about Oman? to get along. Uh, Oman, yes. Oman is a bit more, uh, more different, of course. Uh, I I routinely give my my people uh, kind of a briefing about the cultural norms and about how to be sensitive. Uh, it's mostly around the the issues of religion because being a Muslim country, right. uh, they they expect you to, for instance, there, there's a certain dress code. So there are typical questions: Should we uh, women would ask me, should we wear a veil? Um, in a place like Oman, no, you don't have to, unless you go to a mosque. And then you right. have to wear a veil, you have to cover your arms and your legs and so on. Uh, how, I give them uh, some uh, instructions on how to deal with uh, taxi drivers, waiters, do they expect a tip or not, and so on. So uh, that's, uh, uh, th that's quite easy, actually. I mean, for my destinations, it's, it's never a big issue. Right. I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that respect. <laughs> so in uh, point B, you talk about being personable and communicating your needs. Tell us more about that. 
Sure. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe it's, um, <laughs> you, you guys tell me since you're both you know, men, <laughs> maybe it's different for men versus women, but I think women are so open to smiling and just, I think just a, an open attitude, right? I mean, um, you're, you're in a foreign place, wherever that is, um, if it's different from your home country. So just have that open attitude and a genuine smile. And I think that goes such a long way, even beyond, you know, getting the photograph, right? I mean, people, people will respond to you better if you are genuine. And and people are pretty smart all over the world. They know a fake smile. They know when you have sort of an ulterior motive because your body language is different. Your expression, facial expressions are different. You know, you're kind of clutching the camera, ready to take the shot. So just, you know, before all of that, just be be genuine and be open and and communicate your needs right i mean most people uh, in my experiences most people are very comfortable or or love having their picture taken so you know if you are if you come from a place of of goodness <laughs> um people are people will reciprocate that way if you have if you're arrogant if you have an attitude then guess what that's what is going to kind of show from the other people too so on the flip side, too, if you are uncomfortable, if you are nervous about, you know, a particular situation, just just leave your camera in the bag. Um, I remember we were um, somewhere in the Caribbean and uh, we had kind of taken a cab ride uh, in the interior away from the resort. And there was a demonstration happening. The, the people were protesting some election or something like that. So we were in an open Jeep and uh, we got stopped by the traffic and there were people parading and they had flags and stuff. I mean, it was like an amazing experience. Uh, it was a little scary, but, you know, there were people who were um, screaming and shouting and I so wanted to take a picture. But um, I was I was nervous. I was scared. I mean, this was a you know, we were three of us in this taxi and I just I just couldn't get myself to pick up my camera and shove it in their face and, you know, take a picture of something that clearly they were not happy about. So, you know, in that case, I just observed, I just observed with my eyes and I kind of experienced it for myself and just let the camera be. So again, it was just, it was not about taking the shot. It was kind of being in the moment and experiencing that. So here, I think I want to communicate the fact that, you know, be open and be genuine um, and people will reciprocate in that way. How about people who are naturally introvert and shy? It's not easy to, to be open. Is there a, you have something to suggest that maybe some exercises to open oneself up? Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Talking in front of the mirror works really, really well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, um, you know, practice, practice having a conversation. I mean, talk about the weather, talk about their outfit, if, if they're wearing something that's interesting, just anything to break the ice. And, and sometimes even your camera is a great tool to break the ice. Um, you know, kind of jumping, I guess that jumps into the third point. But um, yeah, just practice and just break the ice and things that make you're comfortable. And I mean, don't force it, because then it'll just come out as really awkward. That's, um, you said, talk about weather, which is a subject that is usually safe, is not going to, to raise any eyebrows or uh, exactly any problems. But going back to what Ralph was asking me about Oman, just occurred to myself that one of the things I I tell my my guests is uh, don't talk about politics there. It's yep. a sensitive subject. Yeah. Uh, so I should just refrain from talking about politics unless the locals want to talk about that. 
and then we'll right. Uh, whereas in Italy, we just had elections the other day, and people are more than happy to talk about politics and complain about them. Right. <laughs> That's a great right. subject I mean, of conversation take... if you're ready to uh, stand the, the, the complaining. For sure. And this sort of kind of goes back to point number one as well, right? I mean, be prepared. If you're going to Italy and they've just had the elections, read up on it. You never know, right? You never know who you might bump into, what kind of conversations you might have and what th what that might lead into. So I've had religion conversations with taxi drivers. I've been invited to their homes for lunch. So it's just, you know, just again, be prepared and be yourself. Um, that's that's key too. don't force it. Mm -hmm. So your third point, you talk about getting permission. Tell us about that. Sure. And kind of um, the second one sort of led into this. But, um, you know, pretty much everybody in the world knows what a camera is, whether you have a DSLR or you have a cell phone and you are kind of, you know, bringing it up to their face. So don't try and fake it. Uh, get permission. Sometimes it's, you know, it's that simple as just pointing to the camera and a thumbs up if you don't know the language. If you know the language, then ask, may I take your picture? Um, I, I firmly believe in this. I mean, I've yes, I have lost moments, but I think it's just the right thing to do when you're having you, you're getting into the personal space of someone. Um, you know, it shouldn't it. It just helps in setting the tone, I think, when you ask permission, as opposed to you being sneaky about taking a picture just because you want to get the shot. Um, get to get, get, you know, learn, learn basic uh, words in the language. I mean, you know, things like may I or can I or, you know, camera or photo. Photo is a universal term. So, you know, just ask the ask the question. Um, use your camera as an icebreaker too. I mean, I have taken pictures and I have showed people and they've got so interested. And then pretty soon I have, I've had people kind of coming around, you know, cluttering around me and saying, take my picture, take my picture because they, it's, it's fun. And so let it be fun and, um, use it as the icebreaker. So but definitely get permission. I, I don't, I mean, I've been in situations where I've not, and let me tell you, it's a very thinking feeling at the end of it because I really feel bad I mean somebody did not you know did not want to be photographed and I just did it so off you know I I firmly believe that asking for it is better it's more authentic I feel it's more authentic some people can argue that oh you missed the moment you missed you know you missed the shot the candid um but it's it's a I think it's a small price to pay so that's just my opinion about it I've been in situations where it's uh, kind of difficult uh, asking permission, like uh, crowded markets where there are uh, dealings going on. Uh, it's the action is fast, and people sure. are just not paying attention, not even looking at you or paying attention to you. So it would be perfectly possible to be sneaky, and sure. it's impossible to directly, I mean, explicitly ask for permission or even have people notice you. But I, I found out that it's, uh, I mean, if they, they will end up noticing you, at least some right. people. And if they don't like their picture being taken, they will make it very clear. So, sure. I mean, you don't, asking permission, at least in my opinion, doesn't always mean having, going there and asking. But if you're not trying to be sneaky, you're taking pictures in the open and they don't want you to, uh, it will be obvious. So. 
No, for sure. For sure. I think, you know, in, in like you said, right, the situation where it's a crowded market, there's so much going on. You're not taking a portrait. You're taking about you're taking more of an environment shot. People are kind of walking around. Nobody is looking directly at you at the camera or even if they are, you know, they kind of going about doing something uh, when you're doing portraits or say you're, you know, you're at a shop and there's something interesting going on. The shopkeeper is doing something you're kind of in their face you're not taking you know you're not really far away so maybe that in that situation just ask I mean just say may I or you know photo and and they might for the for the most part I've found people are willing um, and when they say no respect it that yeah. means no I have this photo that I took in Oman again uh, at the cattle market in Nizwa the city where there were um, two young kids like teens mm-hmm. and all the adults were looking at the, at the cattle, at the goats, the, the cows, and, uh, and so on, because they were interested in what was uh, happening there, because they might have been buyers or sellers. But those two kids just were interested in my camera, and they kept looking right. at me and smiling. So <laughs> they just wanted their photo taken. They, yeah, it was pretty yeah. obvious. Where everybody else was walking in and looking in another direction, I still included some people in the frame, yeah. just looking away, and these two kids looking at me at smi- and smiling. So I think it's a got a nice picture, and it was pretty obvious that they wanted their picture taken. Right, right. So nonverbal communication in that sense is uh, helpful. No, for sure. And and sometimes you know what I've done is if I'm really far away and I'm taking more of a um, environment with people just happen to be there, and if they catch my eye, I just I just smile and I wave and they wave back and, you know, people move on. So just acknowledging that, too. I mean, if, if you if you get, quote unquote, caught, caught, <laughs> just smile and wave and, and just you know, move on. So that's that's another strategy, too. In your fourth point, you talk about travel without taking pictures. What do you mean by that? Oh, this is a this is a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> now, I um, I do a lot of my traveling with my family. Um, I've done solo trips as well, but pretty much we, as a family, we travel quite a bit. So, what I found is I used to obsess so much about documenting every single moment and every single place and every single scenario, and I was kind of experiencing all these wonderful places just through my viewfinder. And nothing beyond that that little square box. So, you know, intentionally, it's it's one of those things where I find that I really benefit from the experience by traveling sometimes even without taking pictures. So, yes, have your, you know, have your shot list, get your shots done, and then put the camera away and experience the location, experience the people, experience the people you're traveling with. Because a lot of times, you know, as photographers, even if you're on assignment, right, you you are, you're kind of getting away from your norms. So it is a it is a vacation, even if it's a working vacation. So why not do that? Why not take that time and, and experience the place with your vision, 360 vision, as opposed to just through the viewfinder? I, I always say that uh, travel photography is made up of two words. Spend as much time traveling as you do photographing. And I'm a huge proponent of putting the camera down yep. and just experiencing the place. And because uh, I, I sometimes uh, I get folks on my trips, and I, I used to do this myself, as I feel like I've got to have that camera with me all the time. I've got to be photographing all the time. Right. And, and yeah, I, you know, I, I get some nice shots, but 
then all I have is memories through photographs and I don't have any real travel memories of having been there and experienced the place, you know, without that camera. Right. I hear you guys. I hear you guys. Uh, I should, I mean, I completely agree with you and still I find it hard for me to put down the camera. So I need to try harder. (laughs) It takes it takes some effort, and uh, I finally got to a point where I'm I'm enjoying myself as much, not feeling like I have to photograph because I was often disappointed that I, I couldn't possibly photograph everything, and so right. I finally just sort of gave up to that, you know that that impossible task, and said, okay, I'm just going to enjoy this place as a traveler, and it's right. really changed changed my outlook on the places that I go to. At least no, for I, us, know, sorry. Sorry, yeah, go right. ahead. No, I was saying, uh, at least for us, uh, um, me and, and you, Ralph, uh, leading tours, and especially going back again and again to the same places. One, we're, we're not there to take photos ourselves. We're going to have our customers take photos. So we, we right. help them. We don't, con- we don't keep the camera constantly to our eye because that would be a disservice to our, to our people. And we might have been to some places dozens of times. Like, you know, we've been to, to Cuba, how many times? 17 or was that? Something like yeah. that. At some point, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to take the same photo of the Malecon in Havana at sunset for the umpteenth time. <laughs> and it, it makes it easy for you probably to, to put the camera down. Whereas if it's first time in a really beautiful place, it, it could be a little bit harder. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you both, you know, kind of do this as well with your tours, right? I mean, um, you're getting, you're taking them to places that are quite photogenic, but that's, that's just a part of it. People are coming to Cuba or Italy to experience that country, to experience that culture. And, um, you know, it's, it's beyond photographs, right? It's what you, what you experience and what you feel and how, how, um, what memories you have of the place, even without the camera. So, uh, yeah, I mean, traveling without relying on the camera is uh, quite liberating. Good. So point number five, know your gear, which maybe goes in a bit in the opposite direction of what we just said, because to really know your gear, you need to practice, which means using the camera. But can you explain a little bit? Sure. I mean, and this is, you know, again, this is... Um, kind of the basic one-on-one, right? I mean, you get a camera, you, you, you spend time, you know it, you practice. Just when you are kind of out and about traveling, um, you know, taking pictures, especially when you're in a different place and you've got permission from someone to take their photograph, that is not the time to be fidgeting around with dials and, and things like that. So really, whatever gear you have, I mean, know it, practice it. Um, I did this with completely unrelated to photography, but we had our very first camping experience in Yellowstone many, many years ago. And the night before we were traveling, we bought a tent. We had never tented before. Um, It was still in the box. And, you know, we get to this campground in Yellowstone a day later and we are like, oh my God, how do we set this up? There was no cell phone coverage. So it's not like you could, you know, YouTube the video. So my husband and I are sitting and reading the instructions and 
you don't want to be in that situation because um, that's not the time you completely miss the moment. So, you know, that kind of, it might be a bit extreme, but a lot of people do that. They buy a new camera just before they're traveling and it's still in the box. The battery is not charged. Um, they haven't figured out how to put, you know, the card in or what kind of card they need. So just understand all these basic things. I'm not saying be, you know, completely ace professional and, you know, know all your settings right off the bat, but at least know the dials, know what know what you are getting or what, you know, camera you have and what kind of images you want. So just be prepared, be prepared and be and practice. Don't do it all in the field. I think this is extremely important, especially when you're taking somebody's portrait. You want to be respectful of their time. So once you've asked to take the portraits, you should be ready to shoot. Yeah, just maybe ask them to pause, to move a little bit, but don't, as you said, don't spend time fidgeting with your camera. Uh, one, it's not respectful to them, and two, they will become bored, and yeah. you will not get a good shot. Yeah, and you know the fact that they are agreeing. You know, you have a. I mean, everybody has these fancy cameras these days. So, uh, you know, somebody who's not a professional photographer or somebody who's not even a photographer doesn't have the camera thinks all these cameras are really cool. So you look professional, you have this fancy camera, but you don't know how to use it, and they're going to lose interest and they're going to move on. And there's nothing you can do to hold them back. So you have like two, three seconds, just, you know, get the shot you want. I think it's important, uh, you know, like you say, to, to you buy a camera four, six months in advance of a once in a lifetime trip. You work with it in your hometown or wherever you're you're at and you, you make your mistakes when it isn't on a once in a lifetime trip. And then when you're yep. in that place that you're now ready to photograph you know your camera like the back of your hand and that also plays into the fact that you can spend less time photographing and more time traveling because you know your camera and you don't feel like you've got to be practicing in this once in a lifetime place so it kind of kills two stones with one bird absolutely okay we've now come to point number six which uh can be very controversial. Yeah, a hot topic for sure. <laughs> hot topic. The title is to pay or not to pay. What do you mean by that? So this is, uh, I mean, there are so many different um, people with so many different opinions about this. And, you know, essentially it is paying for your paying for the photograph, right? I mean, um, I have, I think I've just had one situation where I had to pay someone and that was not my intention at all. Um, sort of I was cornered into it and I just it was getting to be a very uncomfortable situation so I just you know paid the person and I moved on but I have I don't believe in money payment I think there are lots of different ways that you can um, compensate people for their portraits and it also depends on the location right I've heard that in um, in Cusco in um, near Machu Picchu when you go to the markets they don't let you photograph unless you pay um, India is slightly more lenient people, you know, people will still let you kind of get away with it. But, um, I, I kind of maybe buy something from the store or sometimes I have snacks with me. Um, so I'll kind of, if I'm photographing somebody and, you know, they want money, then I'll be like, Hey, would you like a, you know, candy bar or something like that? Um, it's just, I think it sets the, it sets the wrong precedence in my mind where, um, you have to pay money to get photographs. And I and, and why I say this is because 
you know, this time when I was in India, I heard the commentary like, oh, you want to photograph my camels, you have to pay me money. And I'm like, why? I mean, I, you know, I started talking to him and then I realized that that's what people were doing. They would stop him and they would get out of the car. Hordes of photographers would come in and they would almost like um, antagonize in a way the animals. And so he was, you know, he had a camel, one of his camel in his, in his herd run away. So he was really, really mad. And so he just assumed that, you know, anybody with a camera was going to give him that bad experience. So as we got to chatting and, you know, we understood what the real situation was, we started talking to him about his village and, and things like that. And he, you know, we didn't have to pay him. It was just, it, it all kind of, all these points really tie into it. If you have, you know, if you are knowledgeable, if you understand what the norms are, um, if you know your gear, if you don't waste somebody's time, you don't come to a point where you have to pay. You can engage people in conversation. You can engage people in other ways uh, and not just, you know, shove the camera in front of their face, take a picture, shove some money in their hand and walk away because that's just rude. I was discussing this uh, topic with uh, Matt Brandon in episode 75. Well, it's almost been a year. Uh, because he had written an article uh, on his blog about uh, the, the, this topic here and uh, uh, to pay or not to pay. And uh, his suggestion, his conclusion maybe was that uh, this is perhaps the, the wrong question to ask. Uh, the, the question to ask was... Uh, or it would be more like how did we get how did we get to this point? Mm-hmm. How did we get to the point where um, people are asking for money f- to be photographed? And I think you nailed it really with your story about uh, the camel herder because the Western photographers uh, have descended on those places, and many of them suffer from entitlement. Yeah, um, I'm entitled to take your picture. So there, there is no respect, there is no desire to interact, to have a conversation, to be culturally sensitive, as you say. Uh, as a result, those people said, we are being exploited, and now yeah. we, we should get paid, which makes total yeah. sense. But it's a pity, because if we were more culturally sensitive, as you say, if we were be more respectful and less entitled and think that we, yeah. are, we are owed a photo, then people would react much better and they would not ask us for money. But yeah. uh, the conclusion probably is that, the, unfortunately, in many places, the cat is out of the bag and there's no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bringing it back in. I don't know how you see it. Maybe, Ralph, you have an idea about this? Uh, well, yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. You know, I, I always say that it's a very cultural thing. Uh, there's, you know, c- countries like Cuba where the people, you know, that's how they make their main living is by, um, you know, sometimes it is getting photographed and asking for that kook. And, um, you know, over the course of a, a week trip, I might spend $10, uh, but I feel like I'm contributing to the economy. It's uh, the people are giving me something. Uh, I, I don't walk around just handing out money. I've had people on trips do that where they take a pictures of someone and they just walk right up to them and, and hand them money. Right. And I think that's really wrong too. Uh, I do in Cuba, the people uh, you'll see uh, mostly the ladies or women uh, kind of rubbing their forearm and that means, do you have any soap? 
And so we bring little sort of sampler soaps from hotels that right. I collect over the course of the year before I go. And I tell my people to do that, uh, bring uh, pencils, things like that. I try to discourage bringing candy, uh, you know, that would, um, you know, be bad for the children's teeth and stuff like that. Right. So it's, again, it's about setting the precedent or letting people know what to expect in a place. And then, uh, you know, somewhere like India, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me for money there yeah. unless they were a, a, some sort of a street performer. And right. I think it's only right. You know what you're in for. And I tell my people that you, you should pay those people and not sneak those kinds of photographs. Right. Right. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, when I, you know, kind of talked about this, uh, t- this particular point, I said there was only one situation. Um, I was in a market and uh, in Pushkar, and um, I was just actually buying something for my for my son. And I guess my camera was, you know, dangling around my neck. And um, this sadhu comes in, and you know, I'm I'm Indian, so I'm you know, not, none of this is um, new to me or anything of that sort. So I didn't even give him, I didn't even look at him. I just kind of you know, casually our eyes met, and I kept doing what I was doing. And he actually turned around and tapped me on the shoulder and he said, photo. And so I, you know, in my probably naivety, I was like, what do you mean? And so he was like, take photo. And I spoke to him in Hindi and he was like, no, 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 take my photo. So I took his photo thinking that he, you know, just wanted, wanted me to show him his photo. And then he was like, okay, now give me money. And I was like, I'm not giving you money. Uh, You made me take your photo. And so then he started getting very loud. And, you know, Pushkar is a hot place for, um, you know, Western photographers, you know, be it the camel fair or anything of that sort. So that whole community is so used to that this sort of entitlement that we talked about that he started getting really angry and he started yelling at me. And I was just I was scared. I was, you know, nervous. I was like, this is even though I'm Indian, this is not my home city. Um, and so I was like, okay, just, you know, I was like, can I buy you some food? And he was like, no, no, I buy my own food. Give me money. So it was not a, it was not much, but still it was just an uncomfortable situation. And the only reason why he did that is because people have done that to him. They've taken his photo and just shoved money in his hand. And, you know, he's, he's, enti- he's entitled in this, in this, you know, example. Right. But it's, it's, you're, you're right. It's, you know, the chicken or the egg which comes first <laughs> <laughs> no i think uh, yeah it, it all depends uh, as uh, again going back to the issue of being culturally sensitive and knowing what are the customs in every in, in each place i i only draw the line like two lines at the different uh, uh, spots and one is as ralph was saying if he's a somebody's a street performer right is is their kind of job, right? That's their so job, yeah. Uh, you, you pay them and then you take their photo. That's, you pay them for the pleasure of listening to their music. Yeah. Uh, and on the opposite end of the spectrum is children. So I would never uh, pay money to a child to take their photo because the, there is the risk that those children will be sent to the streets to collect money Correct. for their, for their family instead of going to school. So these are kind of the two extremes where yeah. I place myself then everything in between uh, you, you need to to learn how things go in a, in a specific place and so on sure right. and and you know in those situations it's not you're not you're not worried about getting the shot right you're you're more you're you're kind of doing the right thing the mm-hmm. shot is kind of secondary so yeah that was great I, I love those six points uh, we'll certainly put a 
a uh, link in the show notes to this and some of your other articles that you've written for uh, Digital Photography School. Great, sure. great resource there. Uh, it's been a while, but I, I used to write for them as well. Oh, wonderful. But, uh, yeah. So so where can people find out more about you online? What's your website, your social media handles? Sure. So my website is kartikagupta.com, just my name. Um, I'm on Instagram at Kartika Gupta and on Twitter, although I haven't kind of mastered that platform yet. But again, it's Kartika Gupta. So it's essentially my name. Um, I love connecting with, you know, other photographers. It's, it's I'm a total geek in that sense when it comes to photography. So, you know, if you have any questions or if you just want to say hi, I'm, I'm, I'm there. So I would love to connect. Good. That was a great conversation. I think uh, very rich in uh, in inputs and tips and, and suggestions for for how people should become more culturally sensitive when traveling and photographing. And uh, yeah, it's important that we we underline this every every time we can. I think so. I'm, I'm thankful uh, that you you've written that article and you. Oh, thank uh, you. Explained your your tips uh, to, to us this day. So thank you very much. Thank you. So Ralph, you got anything coming up soon? Let's see. Uh, so I'm leaving for Cuba this week. So that'll probably be in the past once this episode comes out. So looking forward to getting back there. And then I've got a uh, group trip to Morocco that's sold out. I'll be scouting in Portugal in May. And then uh, speaking at the Out of Chicago Photography Conference in June, I know that, uh, Ugo, you're going to be there as well. Uh, Karthika, are you going to be there? You, no, you know but I've been, I, I do know about it. Um, I, I missed the one in winter. So I definitely have that on my calendar. I would love to connect with the two of you when you're there. Yeah, wonderful. What about you, Ugo? Yeah, I'll be in Chicago too. It's going to be June 22 to 24, I think. Uh, by the time this uh, this episode goes live, I mean, we are recording at the beginning of March, but I'll go live uh, in a few weeks at the end of March. I think the official announcement and sign-up page for the Out of Chicago conference uh, will be open. We'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, uh, and we will have a little discount for our listeners as well. So come to the Out of Chicago conference, come to talk with us. And Kartika, if you're in uh, if you're in town, it would be nice to have a few drinks. Oh, for uh, sure, for sure. <clears throat> okay, that's all for now. And uh, thanks again, Kartika and uh, Ralph. Uh, have a nice day. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Hugo. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye now.